Sounds good, amen? Amen. amen. Genesis chapter 13. Let's get right down into it. Genesis 13. And I need somebody from the church, not the home. Thanks, sir. Genesis 13. Somebody from the church, raise your hand. What is our mission statement from the church? Somebody in the church. Come on, get over here somewhere, maybe. What's our mission statement from the church? Uh, it's like teaching, sending, bending, teaching, preaching. preaching. First, you gotta reach. Yeah, reach. Then you teach. Then there's bending that takes place, and then you sing. That's right. And so uh, my title this morning is, Are You Following the Vision? If you have paper, you have a pen, please take notes. If not, look like you're taking notes, you don't distract me. Amen. Amen. The title is, Are You Following the Vision? Genesis chapter 13, starting in verses 1 through 8. And you'll hear victory like our church has a vision. You know, our ministry has a vision, and everyone in the home, you know, we know the vision. We recite it almost every morning. Right? To know Jesus, to make him known to a lost world, to make disciples, to preach the gospel to the drug addict, the gang member, the criminally minded, and anyone lost, to plant victory homes, churches, and dropping sinners in every common festive neighborhood for the lost and their families. Right? We know it. It's ingrained in us. It's a part of us. Right? But, you know, the church, we also have a vision for the church. And if you're in the church or you've been in the home a while and you're a church member from the home, we have to get this vision ingrained in us just like the home's vision is ingrained in us. And that vision is to reach, it's to teach, it's to mend, and it's to send. Amen? And so if you're plugged in here at Victory Life, you need to grab a hold of this vision and run with it and follow it. You see, there has to be a certain point in your walk with God or your church attendance where you no longer just come to receive, but now you come to serve and to help further this kingdom and what God's doing here at Victory Life. Amen. And so my question this morning to you is, are you following the vision? So Genesis 13, and the word of God reads like this. Amen. It says, so Abram went up from Egypt to the Negev, he and his wife and all that belonged to him. All that belonged to him. And then this verse says something really powerful that caught my eye a long time ago. Your Bible says, Lot with him. Uh oh. Or Lot went with him. And so we see a man named Abram, and this man named Abram is called by God, and God says to leave your country, to leave your families, to leave the region you're in, and come and follow me. He didn't tell him what was going to happen. He didn't tell him everything he was going to have to go through. He didn't tell him everything he was going to have to do. He just said, leave and follow me. You see, a lot of us like to come to Jesus for things, but coming after Jesus is a totally different subject. My God. And so we see this man of God, he's called Abram in this first verse, and it says, Lot went with him. In verse 2, now Abram was very rich in livestock, in silver and in gold. He went on his journeys from the Gehev as far as the Bethel to the place where his tent had been at the beginning between Bethel and Ai. To the place of the altar which he had made them formerly, and there Abram called on the name of the Lord. It doesn't matter where you're at, it doesn't matter what's going on, you can make an altar and pray wherever you're at, no matter what's going on. Amen. Amen. And now Lot, who went with Abram, also had flocks and herds of tents, and the land could not sustain them while dwelling together. For their possessions were so great that they were not able to remain together. My gosh. What heck of a problem, isn't it? We are so blessed. There's not room to get more blessed, and so now there's a problem. 
In verse 7, there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And now the Canaanite and the Pezzarite were dwelling in the land. And so Abram said to Lot, Please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. I'm going to go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer, and uh, we'll go from there. So, Father, in the name of Jesus, Lord, I just invite your Holy Spirit here this morning. Lord, allow me to remove myself and get out of the way so you can speak to your sons and your daughters. Lord, I pray, Lord, that you ready and prepare the hearts of everyone in this congregation this morning, Lord, to receive a word that will empower them, that will encourage them, that will convict them and instruct them into all righteousness so they can be raised up and ready and fully mature for everything you have for their lives, God. Lord, I pray you continue to anoint the pastoralship and the leadership here at Victory Life, God, and just feed us, Lord, your word. Feed us your daily bread, God. So we can continue to move forward here at Victory Life. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And all the saints said, Amen. Amen. The first thing I want you to write down is the call of God is a responsibility. The call of God is not a game. The call of God is not a joke. The call of God is not just funds and lollipops and candy canes. But the call of God is a responsibility. And so when the call of God comes to you personally in your own life, you have to work towards it to maintain it. To push it forward. The call of God is a responsibility. The vision here at Victory Life, it is a responsibility you take on. It's not something you can just add to your checklist. It's not just an accessory to your life. But the vision of the church, the responsibility, the call, it's something that you have to work towards. You have to stay focused on and you have to move forward in it. And if we're to grow here at Victory Life, there has to be change. Somebody say change. Change. Because with change comes growth, right? And the Bible tells us to grow and the Lord continue to grow in the grace and knowledge. But there has to be change. And so you can ponder and begin to evaluate your life right over here and say, am I changing for the will of God? Am I changing for the vision of God? Have I been changing lately? Some of us have been changing for sin, but that ain't the type of change I'm talking about. Uh Amen. I'm talking about changing for the vision of God. But there has to be change, there has to be separation, and there has to be an increase in dedication. That word dedication, that word commitment, there has to be an increase in dedication. You have to increase your dedication to service in the church. You have to increase your dedication to evangelism in the church, to to doing things for the church, to making sure the church is ready, to make sure the church is prepared. You have to increase your dedication. And not only that, we have to be unified in order to move forward. We have to be unified in order to move forward. There is nothing so important that it should be allowed to tear up the work of the church. There is no conflict too great. There is no uh, problem too big. There is nothing that should tear apart the people of God, the brothers and sisters in Christ, the fellowship here at Victory Life that actually hinder, stop, right, the work and the service from going forward. And right here in verse 8, in verse 7, I mean, in verse 7, it says there was strife between the herdsmen of Abram's livestock and the herdsmen of Lot's livestock. And so right here, we see there's a problem. There's strife. There's a conflict. And in the next part of that verse, it says, now the Canaanite and the Pezzarite were dwelling there in the land. There's two reasons that your Bible says that after there's a conflict. There's a problem. There's a conflict. Right? And then it says the enemies of God are in the land. Because anytime there's a conflict in the church, 
Satan and the devil and the demons and the enemies of God are waiting to magnify that to get your focus off of service in the church. To get it off. The enemies of God, they want to magnify conflict. They want to magnify problems. If there's ever shock between the brothers and sisters, they want to pinpoint it. They want to throw salt in the wound. They want to make it seem bigger than it really is. And not only that, the outsiders, the unbelievers, they are always watching what we're doing. They were always watching what we're doing. And so if they see two Christians have a problem and they're handling it the same way that the world handles Uh-oh. it, that is a bad testimony of what the church is supposed to be. That is a bad testimony of what God's people are supposed to act like. But verse 8 So Abram said to Lot, please let there be no strife between you and me, nor between my herdsmen and your herdsmen, for we are brothers. Can I tell you something that I've been coming to to the realization of? If you're a child of God, you always seek to resolve conflict. That's right. If you're truly a child of God, you will always seek to resolve conflict. You want to know why? Because when you go to hit your, your prayer closet or you go to open your word or you come to church, there's going to be something hindering that connection. That's right. There's going to be something hindering that breakthrough. There's going to be something hindering that revelation. And you know what it is? It's strife between your brother. It's conflict between your sister. It's a problem that's been created between you and another believer or you or somebody else in the church. And it's yet to be resolved. And so it's actually hindering your personal growth in the Lord. Any Christian seeks to resolve conflict. Amen? Always seek to resolve conflict. In verse 9, let's continue in verse 9. It's not the whole land before you. Please separate from me. If to the left, and then I will go to the right. And if to the right, I will go to the left. You know something very awesome I see in the life of Abram? Is that Abram, Pastor Abram, right? He was actually willing to be taken advantage of to preserve the unity of the brothers. Oh, no. You see that? Pastor Abram, he was actually willing to be taken advantage of. Why? To preserve the unity of the church. Because we have to be diligent in preserving the unity of the church. We have to be unified. We have to be in one mind and one accord to push this vision forward, to go forward, to take the land for Jesus. We have to be unified. And uh, Abram comes up and he says, hey, whatever you want, Lot, just take it. We have to resolve this. And I know the land is too, too not great enough for both of us, so whatever you want, you choose. I'll let you have it. Because Pastor Abram knew that ultimately the providence of God would dictate the blessing for his life. And so he could put his brother before him and say, whatever you choose, whatever you want, because God has blessings stored up for me. Can't nobody stop it or make sure I don't get it. God's going to give it to me. Amen. Yeah. God's going to give it to me. In verse 10, Lot lifted up his eyes and he saw the valley of the Jordan and it was well watered everywhere that was before the Lord destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah like the garden of the Lord, like the land of the Egypt. You know, we just had this conference in California, and the conference was titled Dream Again. It was a Dream Again conference. And, you know, we had many men of God from different places and different areas, and they were all preaching the same thing, dreams, visions. And what I've come to find out by hearing all these men of God preach is dreams are very fragile, and without proper care and nurturing, you will not reach that destiny. 
You have to work towards it. You have to nurture it. You have to cultivate it. You have to focus on it. You have to focus on it. And what happens, especially people like us coming from the background we come from, we begin to think dreaming is foolish. We think having vision is foolish. Man, I can't ever do that. I can't ever be that. I'm never going to have that. We begin to think dreaming and having vision is foolish. And do you know what happens when you quit dreaming? You know what happens when you quit dreaming? You just try to survive. You just try to survive. When you lose your dreams, when you lose your visions, you're just trying to survive. You go into a self-preservation mode where you're just trying to make it to the next day. Well, I'm here to tell you that Jesus came to give us life and life abundantly. And you're not called to just survive, saints. You're called to push forward and to move forward and to be blessed and to live a life full of abundance and prosperity. You're not trying to just survive. But we are called to thrive as Christians, as saints and men of God. You don't have to live in fear no more, says the Lord. You can get out of self-preservation mode and begin to trust and rely on God. Amen? You don't have to just try and survive, saints. We're called to thrive. We're called to grow. We're called to go forward. Amen? And so my first point is if you're really following the vision, my first point is, number one, we must move from lip service into God-inspired action. If you're truly following the vision of God, you're truly following the vision of the church, you're truly following God, you have to move from lip service into God-inspired action. You can talk about how you want the church to grow all day long, but what are you personally doing to help this thing get bigger? You can talk about how uh, this and that should happen. What are you personally doing to make sure that this can come to our church? You see, you can talk about it all day long, and you can make it sound real good. But guess what? We don't need a bunch of jibber-jabber talkers, gum bumpers, but we need some people that will put this thing into action. And if you don't know, yeah, it sounds good. You don't know what you can do to help further this church. You know what you need to do, the mature thing you need to do? Is you need to text Mama Heather or you need to text Pastor Ryan. Hey, I want to be a blessing and I want to do more than I'm already doing. What can I do to help this thing go forward? What can I do to help this thing go forward? Amen? We don't need people that are just going to talk about it. Oh, yeah. I hope y'all grow. It's going to be awesome. I'll be back here when it comes. The blessing comes. No, we need people that are going to help serve, help reach this thing, help push this thing forward. Always be thinking about how can I make this church better? How can I push it forward? How can I make it come to grow? Amen? You see, one way or another, God's will is going to be done. Amen? <laughs> this is funny. You know, a lot of church members are like ostriches. Uh -oh. Think about an ostrich, right? And when they start talking about... Uh, dedicated service and they start talking about hey we got some stuff we can do to push this thing forward or we can do this that ostrich sticks his little hand in the sand and it's listening and when all the work and extra service is over it pops its head back up all right i'm here see a lot of church members today are like ostriches there's always talk about what we can do and there's even opportunities how to push this thing forward but for some reason, when it's really time to serve, it's really time to do, it's really put the pedal to the metal, for some reason we don't show up. And we have to, we have to dedicate our hearts, dedicate our lives to push this thing forward. 
Because, listen, you have to understand this is not the vision of Pastor Raymond and Miss Heather. This is not the vision of some preacher or prophet. This is the vision of God. This is the vision of God. And if you want to move forward in your life, you know what you have to do? Jump in the vision of God because it's going to move forward no matter what. That's right. Jesus told his disciples, he said, on this uh, rock, my church shall prevail, my church shall grow, and the gates of Hades can't even come against it. Satan, the Hades, and your mother-in-law can't come against the vision of God here at Victory Life. Amen. They can't come against the vision of Victory Life. So guess what? This thing is going to move forward. This thing is going to push forward no matter what. And so if you want to move forward in your life, jump in the river of God and start serving and working and watch God raise you up and bless you. Amen. Amen. Amen, brother. But we must, we must, we got to be doers, not just talkers. Right? We can't just be talkers. We got to actually put the plow to the ground and be looking for opportunities to grow this thing. If you have ideas of what we could do, we could better the church, evangelism, outreach, things we could do in-house, whatever it is, man, speak it. You know, come to the church meetings, raise your hand, you know, come up, text the pastor, you know, IM and EM, uh, FM and whatever it is, you know, talk to them, get them, get them on the, uh, the, the chat line, communication, and tell them, hey, I think this would be good, right? And not only just bring the idea, right, but bring the willingness to serve in the idea so we can push this thing forward, right? Are you really following the vision or are you just showing up? You know, are you really following the vision or are you just showing up? Because listen, it's okay to show up when you first come to church every so often, right? You're just trying to receive, you're just trying to grow, right? But if you've been around for a few years and you're not serving somewhere, something's wrong. Something's wrong. Something's wrong. Amen? We got to be following the vision. We got to be chasing the vision, diligently chasing it. So number one, yeah, is we gotta move from lip service into God and start action. Number two, number two, if you're really following the vision, if you're willing to follow the vision, number two, we must separate from selfish people. Amen. We must separate from selfish people. And we must get rid of the selfish mentality. And this is what Abram was doing with Lot. He saw it. And he understood it. Right? And in these verses, verse 10, it says, Lot lifted up his eyes. He saw all the valley of the Jordan. It was well watered. It was good. It looked like a quick come up. It looked like prosperity. It looked like money, money, money. You see, it looked good. It looked blessed. Lot saw it. And he saw it and he said, you know what? That's where I want to go. And verse 11 says, so Lot chose for himself. And that's where you get in trouble right there when you choose for yourself. It says, Lot chose for himself. He didn't let God do the choosing. He didn't seek no counsel. It says he chose for himself. He said, I'm going to get mine no matter what I got to do and no matter who I got to cross. It says he chose for himself the valley of the Jordan and Lot journeyed eastward. Thus they separated from each other. There was separation. Abraham and Lot, they separated. There was separation. And check this out. Look what happens when he separates from the people God wanted him to originally separate from. In verse 14, it says that then the Lord said to Abram. Then the Lord said to Abram. You see, when there's separation from things God wants you to separate from, guess what? Then God's going to speak to you. That's right. Then there's going to be increased revelation. God's going to speak to you. Right? 
Saints, one way or another, God's will is going to get done. You see, it could have been done by Abram and Ur when God originally spoke to Abram and told him to depart from his family. But he did it. It said a lot went with him. It could have been done then, but it was not. And so check this out. God providentially, that means his providence. He knows how to make it happen even without, you know, what it looks like is going to happen. It's going to work out. It's going to happen. God providentially brought an irritation and competition between Abram and Lot, which made a separation, which formed a separation. And sooner or later, God's purposes will come to pass. And if we do not see the need for obedience, God will create one. If we do not see the need for obedience, God will create a need. Come on, somebody. God will create a need. You don't think you got to jump when God says jump, right? Well, he'll have a hot wire coming your way, right? He will create a need. He will create a need to make you jump, right? Make the floor lava like with his kids, right? He will make a need to make you jump. If you don't see the need for obedience, he will make it. You can count on it. You can believe it. I promise you. And so right here, there was an irritation. There was competition between Lot and Abram, and it forced a separation that God originally wanted for his life in the beginning in the first place. But Abram was too busy trying to play God in Lot's life and bring him along. But you can't play God in somebody's life. You can't do it. But Lot made a selfish decision. You see, in these verses right here, Lot made a decision to please self and self only. When you start making decisions just to please self, you're headed for a train wreck. You're headed for a train wreck. Law hadn't even considered the consequences of living in the cities of the valley so close to Sodom and so close to Gomorrah. And while the soil was fertile, the water was plentiful, the men near that region were wicked. They were wicked. The spiritual cost of Lot's decision was great. To the natural eye, the decision he was making, the move he was doing, in the natural eye, it looked like a come up. It looked like a blessing. It looked like the only way to get blessed. It looked like the only thing to do to keep provision, to keep getting blessed, to keep getting more, to keep getting rich. But the reality of it is behind all that was spiritual death, was spiritual death. And it says he crossed the Jordan, right? He was in the valleys of the Jordan. And you know Jordan actually translates to mean to go down. And it's actually used in a parable to represent death in the ancient Jewish parable. So behind all the, the goodness that he saw, behind all the riches, behind all the blessings was actually spiritual death. Was actually spiritual death. And you see Lot's choice demonstrated a total lack of regard for Abram. He took it all. He didn't say, hey, let's half it down the middle. He didn't say, hey, you know, you have it Tuesday and I'll get it Wednesday. No, he said, I want it all. It's all mine and I don't really care what happens to you, Abram. I don't really care what happens. And I see so many people today in the churches who move out of God's destiny, move out of God's will for their life at the moment. Why? Because they want the immediate blessing. And behind the immediate blessing, the reality is it's spiritual death. And now they're having to come back around and fix a situation that they brought upon themselves uh, before in the past. You see, they thought it was all good. They thought it was gravy. They thought this is what it needed to be. They chose the immediate over the long term. And now they're suffering for it. Right? 
And now God has to come back around and fix the situation. And what I see in Abram's life is Abram didn't get a choice in it. Abram didn't get a choice in it. And guess what? Abram got burnt in the deal. Abram got burnt in the deal. Everything was taken from Abram, and Abram had to sit while Lot was blessed and stare at it and look at it. But the only thing he had for him, and this is the best thing he had, is he had God on his side. He had God on his side. But sometimes, just like Lot, we focus on everything but the vision of God. We focus on everything but the vision of God. You see, to the natural man, it looked like Lot was coming after the vision, didn't it? It says he went with Abram. He followed after Abram. You see, in the natural, it looked like Lot was following the same vision Abram was following. But the reality was he wasn't following the vision. He was following the man of God because his life was at an all-time low in crisis. He wasn't following the vision. And anytime there's more than one vision in your heart, in your life, guess what? Two visions, it means division, right? And so the vision we have for the ministry and the vision we have for the home, if you have a vision to build your kingdom, guess what? You're always going to struggle. There's always going to be a separation. There's always going to be a division between you and the people who are focused and sold out for the vision that God has given this church and this ministry. There's always going to be division. Two visions. It means division, right? And Lot, presuming to run his own life, it says he chose for himself like we went over and he was deceived by what he saw. He stumbled blindly into heartache and judgment. You ain't got to do it. Come on, say, say you ain't got to do it. Abram, on the other hand, was content to let God choose for him, though it meant apparent second best. He was all right with the second best. He was all right with uh, not the blessing, but having to wait. He was all right with it. Lot's primary concern wasn't the glory of God. Listen, Lot's, Lot's concern wasn't even his family. Lot's concern wasn't even for Abram. Lot's concern was purely self. That's it. You see, the first thing Lot did wrong is he put himself above others. He was even able to push Abram out of the way. I don't care what happens to you, Abram. I'm getting mine. I'm getting blessed. He put himself above others. And didn't the Bible say we're to honor each other better than our own, better than ourselves? Isn't that what Jesus taught us to do? The second thing Lot did is Lot chose his occupation over his family. You see, he was looking for a place that was best for his cattle, not his kids. Amen. Because nobody with the right mind would want to raise kids in Sodom and Gomorrah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, Come on now. A lot of public schools today are this day uh, Sodom and Gomorrah, present day Sodom and Gomorrah. And if you're a parent, you know you don't want your kid to go into some school, right? That's going to be detrimental to their upbringing. You wouldn't want to do it. And so, Lot right here, he wasn't even thinking about his kids or his wife or family. He was focused on how he could get richer. He was focused on self. He was focused on how he could get blessed. And the third thing, Lot chose the immediate over the future blessing. That's the third thing he did wrong. He chose the immediate over the future blessing. He, I ain't trying to wait. I don't want to hear all that, Abram. That's your vision. That's the vision God gave you. I ain't trying to hear all that. I'm trying to get mine. I'm trying to get blessed. I want to get richer. I'm looking out for self. 
And I'm telling you, anytime you make a decision purely motivated by self, you are headed for a train wreck. You're headed for a train wreck. If you start acting and thinking and speaking and making decisions purely based on how does it benefit you, you are headed for a train wreck. You are headed for a train wreck. We have to get rid of the selfish mentality if we're going to follow the vision here at Victory Life. We have to get rid of, we have to separate ourselves from selfish people. I'm telling you, that mentality will get inside you. It happens to me. You start hanging around people, you're so on fire for God and the things of God, and you start hanging around people that are purely just motivated to how they can come up and how they can get more and how they can further their life. That mentality starts to rub off on you. Right. You have to hang around people with the right mindset. The Bible says bad company corrupts good character. So if you're in the home and you're hanging around people that aren't focused on God or the things of God, but they're focused on how they can sneak away and get some drugs, then you're focused and you're hanging around the wrong people. You're hanging around the wrong people. Bad company corrupts good character. You can have good character. You can be focused and have the right mindset. Go hang around some people that aren't focused for about a week or two. You're going to be coming off for prayer. I don't know what happened. I'm just, I don't want samples. I don't want to go forward. I don't want to do this. Who are you hanging around? Who are you hanging around? Who are you hanging around? Who are you kicking it with? Are you kicking it with people that are sold out for the vision here at Victory Life? Are you kicking with people that are sold out for the things of God? People that are genuinely seeking Jesus? Are you hanging out with those people that are going to help you justify your ungodly decisions and your ungodly actions? Yeah. You see, sometimes we don't want to hang around with the right people because they're going to correct us when we're wrong. And they're going to give us godly counsel. And they're going to tell us that, hey, that ain't right. Stop doing that. And they're going to call our sin out. And they're going to reprove us. And so we avoid those type of people. And we don't want to hang out with those type of people. And so then we begin to uh, uh, navigate towards people that are going to help us justify our ungodly actions. Right. Help us feel okay about doing wrong. Help us feel okay about speaking nasty. Help us feel okay about thinking perverted. Hello. Come on, church. We try to hang around with those type of people when we're wrong, when we're in the wrong. Listen, you can tell me all day that you are, you are a prophet called by God, and the fire of God is inside of you. But every night, you over at the dope house. Every night, you passing up to the liquor store on the way home. Come on, man. You are who you hang around. Preaching. You are who you hang around. That's right. You can tell me all day long, but your actions speak different. You are who you hang around. Amen? That's why Victory Life is so powerful for the ex-drug addict. Guess what? Because we put you and surround you with a bunch of people of God. That's right. We surround you with a bunch of men of God. We surround you with a bunch of women of God. We surround you with a bunch of people who are passionate for the things of God. That's what we surround you with. Why? Because we want that to rub off on you. We want that to rub off on you. And as a leader here in the home or even a, a pastor in the church, guess what? If we see a relationship that is bad for you, is detrimental for your upbringing and, and your spiritual life, guess what? We're going to tell you to avoid that, to separate. That's right. Amen? Amen. Come on, somebody. Somebody. So we have to uh, we have to separate from selfish people. That's what Abraham did a lot. We have to separate from selfish people, Right? And number three, this is the third thing. Number three, we must dedicate our lives to God personally. We must dedicate our lives to God personally. You know, Lot in the Bible, he represents a lot of Christians today. 
He seems to be a picture of Christians that depend on other people's faith and other people's relationship with Jesus. He said they never seem to learn to walk alone with God. They always have to lean on the anointing of somebody else. They always have to lean on the revelation that somebody else got. They always have to lean on somebody else's relationship with Jesus. They never learn to walk alone with God. Come on now. They never learn to walk alone with God. And these types of Christians, check this out, just like here. Lot didn't know what to do in Genesis 12. He didn't know where he was headed. He had no future. He didn't have no provision, have no blessing. And Abraham comes up one day. He's like, hey, nephew. Guess what, nephew? I'm, I'm going to get out of here. God telling me to go. He's going to bless me. And then Lot's like, well, heck, I ain't got nothing. I'm going to go with you. Oh, right? I don't know what to do with my life right now, so I'm just going to follow you. I'm going to go with you. Right? You see, these type of Christians, they cling. Somebody's like cling. They cling to spiritual people in crisis. They cling to spiritual people in crisis. I'm struggling. I need you. I'm struggling. I have to be near you. I do it. But guess what? There's one test these type of Christians can never pass. Come on now. There's one test that Lot can never pass. You know what that test is? It's the test of prosperity. You see, when you start to have your own, when you start to succeed a little bit, when you start to get a little bit for your own self, guess what Lot says? Well, I don't need you no more. Oh my God. I don't need that church no more. I don't need pastor no more. I don't need those leaders no more. I got my own stuff now. It's the test of prosperity. You see, Lot followed Abraham and his vision, but he never dedicated himself to the vision. Come on now. Are you following Pastor and his vision, or are you dedicating yourself to the vision of God here at Victory Life? Are you dedicating yourself? Because the vision comes from God. The vision comes from God. It was birthed in the heart of Pastor Raymond Zypher. It comes from God. And it's okay to just follow man at first, but at some point, you have to dedicate yourself to the vision. And if you don't, guess what? When you get blessed, you're out. Yeah. <laughs> when you get blessed, you're out. When God restores that relationship that you've been wanting, you're out. When God starts giving you job opportunities, you're out. When God starts putting a little change in your pocket, a little money in your pocket, guess what? You're out. Whatever it is that you were really desiring, you were really wanting, what happens when God gives it to you? Are you still dedicated to the vision here of the church and the ministry? Or are you throwing the deuces and say, I'm done with this sacrifice? I'm done with this servanthood. Let's be real. Come on, church. Do you throw the deuces? Are you out? Because Lot, he, he can't stay. Because there ain't enough land to keep all this cattle and to gain more. So he got to go. He got to go. That's why Pastor always preaches this. Sometimes the job that God wants you to have isn't the one always making the most money. Right? It's not always the one making the most money, but it's the one that's going to benefit you in your spiritual walk. If they make you work on Wednesday nights and Sunday mornings break, then you got the wrong job, buddy. I'll call Travis for you, amen? You got the wrong job. You see what I'm saying? The best job for you is the one that's going to aid you in your spiritual walk. You may be making less money, but guess what? You still get to come show up in the home and teach on Thursday night. Amen? You can still come to the home and share with the new believers. You still can make it to church. Amen? You see, Lot... He never dedicated himself to the vision. He never dedicated himself to the vision. It was a test of prosperity. The test of prosperity, I can tell you this. 
if you continue to follow God, saints, you're going to be blessed. Yes, sir. You're going to be blessed. If you continue to follow God, you can't help but be blessed. Because the word says it. Seek his kingdom and his righteousness. And guess what? Everything else will be added unto you. But what happens when you get blessed? What happens when you get everything that you were wanting? Everything you desired? Because some of us say, well, I'm not giving up on God. I'm just giving up on the vision. When the reality is God called you to this vision. And just like Jonah, he said, I don't want to go preach to the Ninevites, but I still love you, God. And the Bible specifically says he fleed from the presence of the Lord. Because there are godly, divine, spiritual assignments upon your life. And if you try to avoid them or get away from them, and the reality is you're actually running away from God. You're actually running away from God. Someone say, I'm just running away from the work. I'm running away from the service. Right? And there's countless stories upon stories in the Bible of men and women of God who tried to do that very same thing. You know, I was talking about last night with Timothy. You know, I wrote a sermon not so long ago called uh, No Excuses Here, and it's about Moses. And he, God told Moses, I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And Moses said, no, I can't do it. They won't believe me. And God said, they will believe you. I'll give you a testimony. Oh, I can't do it. I'm, I'm too old. Well, I'll put my spirit upon you, and I'll give you youth. I'll give you strength. Oh, well, I, I, I can't do it. I don't know how to talk like them. Well, I will, I will give you their language, and I will speak through you. But I don't know what to say. I will give you the words to say. And excuse after excuse after excuse, right, God countered. And finally, you know what Moses did? All right, God, I just don't want to do it. <laughs> I just don't want to do it, you know? And you know what God's response was? That's okay. You ain't got to want to right now, but you're going to do it. Get up and go, Moses. <laughs> Oh, for real. You cannot want to do it all day long, but a calling and gifts upon your life, irrevocable. 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 Worship team, you can come up. The gifts and calling on a man's or a woman's life are irrevocable. A man once told me one long time ago, hey, son, you're going to be a preacher in the church, or you're going to be a preacher in prison. Oh, my God. But either way, you're going to be a preacher. Amen. Either way, you're going to be a preacher. May not may not always uh, be the place you like, but you're going to preach. Amen. You're going to preach. Gifts and calling are irrevocable. You can't stop them. You can't trade them in. I don't want that gift. I want that calling. You can't trade them in. You can't do that. They're irrevocable. And everyone in here has a gift that God has blessed you with. Has a gift that God has blessed you with. Amen. We have to learn to chase God ourselves. We have to devote ourselves to the vision. Personally. 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 Because sometimes, if I'm just following Pastor Raymond and his vision, but I'm not dedicated to the vision, guess what? Some point along the way, I'm going to give up. Because Pastor Raymond can't get me through every battle. Pastor Raymond and his vision can't get me through every war. Can't get me through every battle. Amen? You have to dedicate yourself to the vision. Dedicate yourself to the vision. And what I've come to find out is the calling. The calling of God, the vision of God, will always separate the dedicated and the uncommitted. Always. The calling will always draw a line in the sand and make the dedicated stand on one side and the uncommitted stay on one side. 
The calling. I promise you. Because the calling of God says give when you don't want to give. Oh my God. The calling of God says go when you don't want to go. The calling of God says stay when you really don't want to stay. The calling of God will always dictate who's really committed and who's not. Amen? And isn't it interesting to note that God did not speak to Abraham until he finally made the decision to obey God and separate from his family. Some of you right now, you're lacking vision. You're lacking, you're lacking a word. You're lacking a revelation. You're lacking direction, guidance. And the reason you're lacking it is because you haven't obeyed God in the first place. You haven't obeyed God in the first place. Why well, don't get it? How come you don't speak to me? Well, what area of your life have you not aligned with God? What area in your life have you not aligned and brought it under the lens, Oculus of God? He said, humanly speaking, the only thing standing in the way of Abraham's blessing was his own disobedience. That's the only thing that was standing in the way of Abraham's blessing. It was his own disobedience. And listen, God eventually removed that barrier by forcing Abraham and Lot to separate. And at that point, God once again spoke to Abraham and reaffirmed his promises to him. And I believe in this room, many of us have missed tremendous blessings and opportunities to be used by the Lord. Why? Because we refuse to obey his word. We refuse to obey his word. We told God, I'm not doing it, and I don't want the blessing. And if we turn around and we say, why not I get the blessing? In most cases, we trade the bounty of God for the scraps of the world. We trade the bounty of God for the scraps of the world. The first question that God brought to Lot, when he gave Abraham the vision, as he said, Lot, heaven or hell? And Lot said, Lot said, heaven. I'm following Abraham. I'm following the vision. Heaven, God, or heaven. But the second question that he asked Lot was, Lot, heaven or earth? Heaven or the world? And you know what Lot said? Lot said, the world. He chose heaven over hell, but he chose the world over heaven. And some of you right now, you're at a pinnacle point in your walk with God. You're at the turning page and turning the chapter. And you're being brought the same question into your life. Do you want to go all the way to God? Do you choose heaven? Or do you want to sell out now and get the things of the world? Do you want the blessings of this earth and this world? Come on, stand to your feet, saints. This morning, this morning, I believe there's some people in here that will touch by the word. And this altar is going to be open. You come get your knees and come pray. The worship team's going to lead us into the presence of the Lord. And I just want you to get real with yourself. Don't even get real with me or your pastor. Get real with yourself. And ask yourself, are you really dedicated to the vision? Are you really dedicated to the call? If God came and blessed you right now, would you stop for a minute? Would you give up on the vision?